Hi, everyone. This is Ellie McNevin, founder of The Birdie Agency, and you're listening to PR Adjacent, the podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes conversations with our business development BFFs. We bring in experts to answer the most common questions we get from clients about growing businesses, covering everything from product manufacturing to licensing, events, and even website design. But it wouldn't be a Birdie podcast without occasionally talking about PR and marketing, because it only makes sense that as your business grows, your communication strategies grow with it. Hi guys, happy 2024 and welcome to a new season of PR Adjacent, season three. I am so excited about the year ahead. I've just been in Australia meeting some incredible people and I can't wait to bring them onto the podcast later this year. But this month, I am so thrilled to welcome Sarah Sebastian, founder of Rose Gold Collective. Sarah is based in Miami, but works globally, creating experiences and brand events, everything from corporate event planning, product launches, pop-up shops, to the large user conferences that we're all so familiar with. We chatted about why to have events, what to expect out of them, and how to make sure they have the impact that you're looking for. Let's jump in. Sarah, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so thrilled to have you on. Thank you for having me. Super excited to chat with you today. Yeah, we recently started working together on a client kind of experiential project coming in 2024. And I've had so much fun really learning all about the work that you do. I think you do everything from events, experiential activations, pop-up shops with your company, Rose Gold Collective. And I really would just love to start off by hearing more about you know what specifically you'll do and maybe kind of what's evolved over the eight years since you've started the company. Yeah, sure. We're super excited to collaborate with you on your potential pop-up next year. But pop-ups are only one thing that we kind of focus on. At the end of the day, we love connecting brands or corporate groups with their end consumer or audience. So that could be whether it is a conference, a trade show booth, a retreat, a footprint sponsor that they want to show up at, a food festival, for instance. We really think through that guest journey and how that brand's going to kind of tell that story within that footprint, no matter how big it is or small. So we kind of run the gamut when it comes to, you know, how we show up on what the brands need. But at the end of the day, we're here to connect and tell the brand story. I love that. I mean, it's something we're so big on at Birdie is just kind of understanding exactly who the brand is and who they're trying to reach. And so we love working with you all too, to just kind of see the ways that that actually shows up in the world in a really real way and bringing consumers in, I think is always so much fun. You start to hear kind of like really real feedback. And obviously, you know, we've just gotten off of this retreat that we ran on our side. We probably really could have used some support. So we'll have to chat about that for next year. But it is, I mean, the value of kind of being in person together is really kind of unmatched and unparalleled. I think we were just chatting about this earlier and I'm jumping ahead, but you were saying to me that, you know, during COVID, when so many brands were looking to sort of digital ways to bring people together, you actually kept the course and kept safely bringing people together in person. Tell us a little bit more about that and why that was so important. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I want to be true to what we do and what we're passionate about and aging myself a little bit, but I worked in the industry during the recession and I found myself kind of putting that recession hat on and Mm -hmm. kind of going back in time of what we did and how we reacted. And there was a lot of parallels. Mm -hmm. And so I had a little bit of that background to dip into, but really relying on being thoughtful. We did all the right things, getting Um, safety certified. And we did all those kind of things that kind of was new to the industry and to adapt. But it allowed us to also figure out ways to safely execute 
in different markets. One plus was we were already nationwide. So for us, you know, a client came and said, hey, I want to do something in X state. If there was some regulations that weren't going to, you know, going to prohibit us to do that, we could have easily pivoted and say, hey, let's go to Texas or Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There's some other options. We were able to do that. And again, safely and thoughtfully with all of those ever-changing rules at that time period, but we were able to do so. I would say one, one of our biggest fun stories of case studies that we were able to achieve during that time is we had won an RFP for a large corporate conference that was Mm -hmm. supposed to take place actually in Florida. And the company, of course, had decided it wasn't safe to bring fly in globally, or they could at the time, all of their guests. So the biggest pivot, I would say, of COVID for us was we turned this conference, which would be a very traditional conference, to Mm -hmm. an actual mobile tour. We fabricated like a 30-foot trailer. We had five experiences inside and out. And we actually drove it and brought the content, brought the experiences in a micro-dosing version of what the conference would have been to the people. Yes, that was kind of a big pivot. And it was an outside-the-box idea for a company that would never have done something like that. It didn't seem relevant. But now looking back, it was the perfect solve for them to still roll out, you know, a, a big initiative and a big brand strategy that needed to get to the people. I love that. And I'm sure there's things about that that worked so well that they probably weren't even expecting and that they can continue to implement in different ways, you know, moving forward. But I think that's one of the reasons why it's so valuable to work with experts in the industry when you're thinking about events. And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to come have you on the podcast, because on our side of the house, we talk to people about events all the time. And when they are ready to launch a brand or a product or something else in the world, they're really eager to kind of show that in a physical, real way. And usually that's in the form of an event. But what we always try to guide them on, and this is where I would love your expertise, is you know what is really the goal at the end of the day? And what is the impact that we're looking for? And to your point, maybe you already shared a great example of how this sort of showing up in person, this event, this experiential moment can be so many things. So what's sort of your process like when a client comes to you and they say, okay, I know I really want to do this thing. I have this idea. I want to do a pop-up shop. And you're like, actually, you know, maybe you could do this way or that way. Like, how do you kind of guide them on what's going to have the most impact? I know it's case by case, but would love just sort of a generalization there. Yeah. You know, I think a uh, general is hard because everything is so customized, right? And that is, th- that's why it's special. And that's why you go to an experiential agency is because yeah. you want that high touch from us to, you know, mm-hmm. customization of that experience. And that's how stuff gets more virally shared. That's how brands really kind of cut through the mess, if you will, in an industry and beyond is because it feels different. It feels fresh. It resonates. So that's always our goal. But when it comes to guidance and you hit it, I mean, we have clients that come to us every week and say, I want to do this. And Mm -hmm. after we start asking the questions and kind of really digging a little bit deeper on the why and what's their real goals, we may have, you know, some other ideas on how to, to kind of really get to their core customer or a bigger reach or maybe it's a smaller reach if they're trying to, you know, shoot too high and maybe they're an unknown brand. You know, maybe we shouldn't do an event where they expect 20,000 people to show up. Let's right. maybe focus on a few smaller ones and build up. Or do we tag on to an event that already exists? So there's a mm-hmm. lot of factors that we kind of, you know, put into our minds when we kind of give some recommendations. But generally speaking, 
budget obviously has something to do with it alongside with their goals. So if social media is a big play, we're really going to ramp up our experiential builds and these very photographable moments. Everything Mm -hmm. needs to be photographable from the food service to that Mm -hmm. welcome ambassador at the door to the signage, having all of those moments thought out to create that organic content. And then I'm getting ahead also um, in some of our conversations, but that's what it's about to kind of, our events aren't just a party. It's now a content environment that lives on that's why we work so closely with PR agencies and and people like yourselves because we understand that what we're designing and building is really now a platform for you guys to layer in to be able to push out and the longevity of a quote-unquote event now is so much longer when it comes to the content that can come out of it. And that really goes back into our design and our kind of strategy and how we're telling that brand story through the environment itself. I love that so much. I could like, I'm just, I'm like writing that down because I don't forget what you just said. It's not just a party. This is the content no. environment and the longevity of it is so much more than it has traditionally been because it's continuing to be shared. You mentioned a few of these things, you know, things like food or the person that's at the door welcoming or just the visual sort of build outs. I know your checklist for an experiential moment or an event is so much more in depth or longer than anyone else's probably would be, especially mine. But I know on our side, like baseline things, you know, if we're trying to get editors to an event, we have to provide transportation, you know, these days, like so many of them that we work with, you know, are freelance, like they don't have the Condé Nast card that they're using to go get to an event. So we need to make it really easy for people to show up and be there. There are just things that we think about like that on the PR side, but would love to know if there are just some like baseline things where you're like, if you don't have good music, like don't even talk to me, (laughs) you know, like, are there just some baseline things that you have? Well, oftentimes we are tasked for the scope is to find the locations and venues. Sometimes they are provided, you know, kind of confirmed by the client prior before they engage with us. But, you know, location, location, to your point is, you know, we can have this amazing venue, but if it's not convenient for your audience and whatever that audience is, if it's close to Mm -hmm. maybe a specific office or a downtown area or in the way of commuting back at home after for a happy hour after your audience is stopping by, those are all things to definitely consider because the turnout is for everyone's success. We actually, believe it or not, really do care that people show up, even though that's not an API for Rose Gold. We want people to see and experience all of the things we just designed and produced. So for us to do all the work and then find a location that is just too difficult to get to, or there was no parking or no valet, to your point. And when we do stuff in California, making sure there's valet, everyone's driving, they're not Ubering like they do in New York. So all of those things logistically definitely come into play to make it convenient and not have extra little headaches and struggles before they walk into the door. There's plenty that I can't control, but the things I can control are those little touch points for that guest journey. And so we do think about that. Yeah. I mean, just as seamless as it can be, because I know on our side and on your side too, we want the takeaway to be about the brand and not about like, oh my God, I couldn't find parking or like, oh, did I get the date wrong? Did I get, you know, whatever it is. And so just taking away to your point, those like little headaches that lead up to them getting there. So when they're there, they have this beautiful time, this beautiful experience. I think it's so important. I, this may be controversial, let's see, but I feel like it's almost better to like go all in more so on a location that you know is 
tied best to sort of your brand voice and most convenient for the people that you're really trying to reach, even if it's a smaller group, but just that it's like really authentically right for you. And it's really getting to like the key people that you're trying to get in front of. I feel like location is so crucial that it almost like if I had to choose, I would choose more so to find the perfect location and have a smaller, like really more impactful group. But maybe that's controversial. I don't know. No, I agree. I think, I mean, you've got to nail the location and the venue. And there's obviously things that go into that, such as budget, capacity that you've you've touched on. So there's a lot that goes into that pre-planning, that first even reco from us as we start doing that venue hunt is, you know, we love this location, but maybe it doesn't hold as many people as you had wished for. And all of those things kind of come into play, but that's kind of part of the process. Yeah, I love that. You talked about sort of content environments. And some of these things I think are probably so obvious to you because this is what you live and breathe every day. But when you're thinking about building a content environment, what kind of goes into that? Obviously, we want everything to be photographable, but what does that really mean? Are there things like really down to the fact like this has a glare on it or this is too far away? Like, do you get that granular? Absolutely. So for instance, things in the industry that we think about are even finishes of paint and vinyl doing things in matte finish instead of a sheer, to your point, when we're doing a step and repeat. One, we don't normally would just do a a vinyl step and repeat these days, but there is that glare, right? Or we do think about lighting to ensure that the areas or at least moments are well lit to allow people to take good photos. I mean, how frustrating we all can relate to, even not in the industry, that we go somewhere, we like have this awesome setup, this beautiful moment, and we're taking a selfie, we're trying to take a photo with friends, and the lighting just is not on your side. Right. It's It's, it's just that frustrating moment. And so we want, again, want to make sure that we're driving this organic share and these these moments where people can pull out their camera. We don't have to tell them to do so. That just naturally happens. And then also the lighting is great and they actually get a good photo. That's the home run. And they share it. And they share it. Right. So we want to make sure that they're sharing the content that we've so thoughtfully put together (laughs) with brand teams, PR teams, and then we get there and the lighting is horrible. So if that means us bringing in solary lighting, you know, us having a photographer on site at certain moments, it's going to capture that and do instant shares. All of those things are kind of just as important as building out what that environment looks like. And back to your first question, which was, how do we go about that? is, you know, really goes down to the venue again and try to not force fit content builds into an environment that just may not work. And so oftentimes that venue, you know, search is kind of that first lock-in. And then we start designing how we're going to build out things within that environment that feels still more organic and doesn't feel so jarring when you walk into a space that it feels forced fit, that more like this is supposed to be here or... This, this feels like the brand. You're like, this is like a new brand pop-up and a pop-up where that brand never would have a retail store. It just feels exactly. real. And that's and always our goal. See through that, you know, so clearly. I mean, that's just, we talk to clients all the time. I mean, it's just so competitive, you know, these days to get your brand story out there. And I think that that's because people are served so many options, but they can really quickly see what feels authentic and what feels forced and what just feels like you're trying to get them to buy something or get their attention. And it's interesting to think about. I mean, it makes sense, but it's interesting to think about that that would come through from the venue and from, you know, the event side as well. Like you walk in and it feels like, 
this was done quickly in the wrong space, but we're just trying to get people in, you know, you can tell you truly do want it to feel like an extension of the brand, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk me through, and again, I know I'm generalizing, this is so annoying, but when someone comes to you without a clear idea, like let's say they're launching a product in the summer and they really don't know necessarily who they're trying to get in front of, but they know they want it out in the world. How do you kind of walk them through? Is this a pop-up? Is this a dinner? Is this a whatever? Kind of if they have no sense, like where it even begin? Because I think there's a lot of brands that we work with who know they want to get on the world. They look to us for guidance. We come to you all, you know, but how do you kind of even begin to gu- like guide them through it? Well, luckily we do have a brand background, a brand marketing background. So I personally do and some others on the team. So we really try to put that brand marketing hat on rather than the event hat, because that if they're lacking in the brand strategy within a team, which happens, or it's a new brand altogether and they're still figuring it out or they're still doing their you know tests internally or they're waiting for their own data to come back and their own research we can definitely be that partner to kind of assist in you know gathering some of the the thoughts behind the brand and make some recos because we have so much experience in the types of ways to show up. So, you know, diving a little bit deeper into, you know, how they want to show up again, really what their KPIs are, what their goals are, and really, let's be honest, what's the product usage? I think that's something that could potentially be overlooked is, oh, I just want, you know, demographics are 25 to 35 females. They're like, okay, well, let's go deeper. Um, Get a little bit more specific. Yeah. And then kind of help brands do that, just vetting out opportunities and even kind of thinking through old school marketing. Like, what are the pillars? Exactly. Is it music? Is it fashion? You know, who is your consumer? Let's start building out this character um, yeah. if they haven't done that already. And then let's see who, where that character would live. Where do they hang out? Yeah. What do they do? It's some of our favorite work to do with brands. I know you guys must love it too, because it kind of guides everything. I mean, we actually, with most brands that we work with now, we start them with the positioning, messaging, and the customer work. Because really, without any of that, yeah, how can you show up in the world in any way, you know, whether to press, whether to consumers at an event, at a pop-up, but you need to really know what you're trying to say and who you're trying to say it to. And I think that's where you then begin to start to build out these goals around why an event does make sense to you and what you're most excited about. Jumping on like a totally different direction, but one of the things that's also big to us, and this is usually because we're trying to get product into editor's hands, but the the gift bag, the takeaway, the moment. But I also think there's something really nice coming back to that where we want a brand to stay top of mind for all guests and attendees. So are there any fun ways that you guys have kind of handled that in the past that, you know, are just good examples of how to stay top of mind even after the event? Yeah, you know, I think it's an early approach, right? It can't be an afterthought. And how we approach even our events is the before, the live, and the post. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes my team will hear me say to a client, so what are we doing before? What are you guys doing before? Because sometimes that's not part of our scope, but it's just good for us to know. So we can kind of connect the dots all the way through. I think that's like the most successful story is the before, what's the engagement? And maybe it's just an invite. Maybe it is a gifting moment. Maybe it's a fun tease to a theme, prepping them to a retreat, sending them, you know, a fun, you're going to need this. And then the live, of course, is what we know of the event, which we already know is going to be 
highly touched, you know, brand moments all the way through, some surprise and delights throughout. And then the post is just as important. So how do we, to your point, that's the, the, the question at hand is how do we keep their attention, create that longevity? And I think there's a few easy ways to do that. And then there's ways that can get a little bit more strategic and thoughtful depending on the product and the audience, et cetera. But some of the easiest ways is through the photography, right? So yes. that's always something that is kind of that post-event story is, you know, whether it's a fun thank you, whether it is, we're so happy you came by. Like it could be as simple as that, just mm-hmm. for them to kind of remember their experience there or share photos that our photographer took or here's some selects or we found out we did a, a survey on site and you engaged with some of your favorite products. Here's a curated gift bag of those products that weren't yes. given out. Like all of those things, depending on what the item is and the audience is definitely key to kind of continue on and, and let them know that we are thankful they came and we want to continue yep. that relationship. Yeah, I love that. I know one of the things that's worked so well, just for me personally, having attended events is just that really simple, like photography link the next day or the day after. And it can be selects, like, you know, to your point, we don't need the full link and it's better probably if it is selects, but just that you have it. So if you want to go and share and even like on a really baseline, you know, paperless post example, I know they like allow you just to send a follow-up and usually the links come that way, but it doesn't have to be complicated. But I think just this thoughtfulness around, you know, making sure you're staying top of mind, people have a way to remember it. They have a way to share it is really nice. And to your point, like, you know, kind of a gift bag takeaway is very basic. But one of the things that we've had fun thinking about, you know, with the retreat that we've done is like, yeah, what are the surprise and delight moments like after the fact, like a month later, you know, how are they still feeling supported by the time that they came away and had, or, you know, one of the pieces of feedback that we got from this retreat was everyone had a really difficult time with re-entry just because they were so relaxed and they did get all of this, you know, time together and they went back to like kids being sick or, you know, whatever, just like kind of the chaos of daily life. And so we're talking next year about, do we have like a re-entry sponsor, like someone who can be the surprise and delight, like when they get back home, there's something waiting for them to kind of help make that easier. But I do think that it's good for people to remember, it doesn't just have to be this baseline, like gift at the door on your way out. You know, there's so many ways to show up after the fact to kind of stay top of mind. And that's the goal, right? Like you don't do all this so that they walk out and forget about you. You want to make sure you. They keep coming back. Are there ways that you have worked with brands sort of like in a regular cadence that you have seen work well, where they've either just done pop-ups in multiple cities over a period of time, or they do an annual event and you feel like that sort of regularity is really to their benefit? I think it's either or. So I think there is something to be said about that regular pop-up or that time frame where you start kind of creating almost like this ongoing expectation So there's this momentum that kind of builds up. Oh, well, last year they did this. And it almost becomes, you know, people tell the story like, well, I went to there two years ago. And so there's something to be said there. I think that does definitely build some advocacy. I think it definitely builds some anticipation and some regularity. Like to your point, I think is is powerful. But I also arguably kind of like the the, the juxtaposition of it, of like doing something unlike you've ever done before. Because then that feels disruptive for your own kind of activity. So not even disruptive in the industry, because I think that word's fairly overused, but generally speaking, just disruptive in the ways that our clients work or operate. I often say to clients, you know, when they say to me, oh, well, this is how we always do it. Or, oh, every year we do it like this. I go, this is the perfect reason why we should never do that again. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. I love that so much. It's really a good chance to kind of think totally outside of the box. And I think from a PR side, those are the things that get the attention. Those are the things that feel like, oh my gosh, can you believe that they did that? I never would have imagined. Or just change it up. I mean, the end of the yeah. day, it's you don't want to be the one that always is doing the thing. I think yeah. contradicting what I said before about the regularity, there's regularity, but it's more of like maybe a time of year this happens yeah, <laughs> or, exactly. you know, or it aligns yeah. with some other cultural event that's happening that you do yeah. this pop up, but it's yeah. not the same old. Yeah. I just don't think that is going to move the needle anymore for people. And I do find that like for conferences, if they're happening in the same place, people are like, well, I went to their last year. I did, you know, like they're to your point, they're just, they are, I think people are craving different opportunities and especially for things that require them to travel. Like I know it's just so hard to get away with work and kids and everything. So it really has to be worth their time and effort and something that feels totally kind of different or something that maybe they haven't done before. So I love that so much. Thinking ahead, you know, we are at the tail end of 2023. What is kind of on the docket for you guys next year? Are there things that you're working on that you've never done before, to your point? Are there things that you're especially excited about or just things that people should be aware of if they're planning sort of events or experiences this year? That's a great question. And I think it plays into the trend alerts um, that, you know, we're always trying to stay ahead of. and. First, I would say is we don't try to really follow the trends. I think one of the things that we do really well at and we help guide our clients is really figuring out, again, that disruptive word that is, is overused, but you know, find out the ways to kind of know what the trends are and align, but then also try to still make it feel like yours and not try to just adapt to things that are happening. So I think there's a way to be to be thoughtful and to be relevant is the word rather than trendy. So I think there's definitely ways just from like a modern design perspective of how do you show up in an event? There's definitely trends in general in regards to event design or kind of what I think generally people expect to see at events. And those are things that we will definitely continue to do and evolve. And and there's things we know that are coming, but let's be honest, we all work so fast and the trends happen so fast that you know, our job for our clients and our our partners is to stay ahead of that and make those live recommendations of things that we see in the market or culturally happening to make things for the brands feel relevant. As far as next year, I mean, we are, we're definitely planning. I think one of the biggest, not so great trends that we've seen come out is the turnaround times have shrunken quite a bit. And... (laughs) Even sponsorship opportunities for brands to get involved in events, et cetera, that we would then build out, you know, footprints. So the timeframes of these trends, I mean, it literally is micro trends, just like fast fashion is, unfortunately, is in the event industry that the turnaround times are quite fast these days. You know, hopefully brands out there listening (laughs) can grow that timeline for all of us. They have the control for the most part. So hopefully that 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 bandwidth kind of grows. But generally speaking, to be super frank about it, it is that time frame is quite short. So although we are planning quite a bit already for 2024, we find that it's a lot more event reactive than event planning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can people kind of, as we're telling them, like, guys, be be more proactive, you know, think ahead, plan ahead. How do you think that like brands can kind of find that line between reactive and proactive and like staying sort of 
relevant as to like what's happening, but then also giving yourself time to plan something that maybe has potential to be more impactful because you've given it, you know, more time to plan. (laughs) It's a tough one. It's a tough one. But I think they're interested in aligning with larger cultural events in general. Yep. The Mm -hmm. South by Southwest dates and South Beach food and wine dates and, you know, the Comic Cons of the world, all those... Those dates are locked in stone. They're, yes. We already know those dates for next year. <laughs> so if those are kind of, you know, event adjacent or sponsorship opportunities that they want to align with, you know, those are things to kind of get ahead of, right? So mm-hmm. I always kind of recommend, let's, if they have an established brand, they want to start aligning with larger cultural events in general, then we should start really put, putting that calendar in place now. <laughs> Anyone listening now, it'd be the now. time before uh, before the, the new year, just to get ahead of it in regards of planning what that schedule looks like. And then there could be some alterations, of course, when it comes to how we show up alongside those events. Is it its own mobile tour that's going to tour around and we make stops at these events? Or is there a pop-up shop kind of adjacent? Or do we provide this cool coffee shop vibe that's on brand, you know, that's alongside, that's adding value to attendees, attendings, something. So I think that's kind of a good start if they don't have an idea. But if it's a conference or, you know, if it is doing their early research is always super helpful too. And we can assist with that. But just doing that research and knowing what else is happening in town, knowing what really, you know, your goals are around these cultural larger events, or if you want to go separate from this cultural event, which is a strategy too. That you don't want to, you know, you don't want to touch Austin during that time. Great. But you want to be in Austin. Let's also look at what else is going on and really target a time Mm -hmm. where there isn't as much activity. So you'll get more attention. So that's a strategy too. So more time equals more strategy as well as more creativity can come into it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so smart to think about, you know, we have clients who go to our Basel or, you know, whatever, but maybe these conferences or these events are booked up further out. But I love the idea of getting creative around like, well, is there a way to just show up sort of like adjacently, you know, is there a coffee shop moment? Is there something else that you can sort of integrate into without really necessarily having a booth or, you know, whatever. So I love thinking about it outside the box. I think that's where you all come into play because you've done this for years and years. You have all the contacts, you have all the ways to think about like, if X, then Y and if Y, then Z. And if none of those, then scratch all of it and start over and we can make that happen too. So I think having the expertise is just so incredibly valuable. And so we always encourage clients to kind of think about coming to you or coming, you know, to someone who can kind of guide them on something that at a large scale is going to have such an impact. But anything else that people need to know? I think we've covered so much ground. We did cover a lot of ground. No, (laughs) this was great. And I think the really the biggest takeaway I think is you know, not being scared to do something different. I love that. And creativity, I always say, really costs nothing. Let's like, let's put our heads together and go to the drawing board and come up with new ways to really show up. And, you know, it's going to evolve. And I think also the other takeaway is that creativity evolves. It's rare that the first idea we throw out is the one that we end up with. And that's okay. And I think it's it's a process. And if we have a little time, we can definitely kind of take, you know, our clients on that journey of that process. And we love to kind of continue to, to create memorable moments for, the, for these brands, wherever it may be. I love that. Oh, this has been amazing. I've learned so much and I know everyone else has too, but thank you so, so much. Happy 2024. And we can't wait to work with you this year. Likewise. Happy 2024. I can't believe it. I know. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're interested in learning more, you can find Sarah on Instagram at rosegold underscore collective. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes go live each month. You can learn more about Birdie and our services at birdiepublicrelations.com and on Instagram at birdieagency.co. That's right. Our Instagram handle has changed and our URL will be changing soon. We have lots of exciting services and announcements to talk to you about. So stay tuned on that. But in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next month for a brand new episode of PR Adjacent.